0: episode 176 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have four spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from March the 22nd 2022 and story number one comes from Ellie. My mom had me really young so we spent the early years of my childhood living in my grandparents home with her three brothers who were teenagers at the time. My mom was a nurse working odd shifts so I spent a lot of time with my grandmother and would often stay up late at night waiting for my mom to come home. My grandparents' house had always given me and most others who visit there an uneasy feeling, as if you were not alone or are being watched. When I would stay up late to wait for my mom, I would make a bed on the couch in the living room and watch cartoons. My grandmother would keep me company, hoping I would fall asleep and put me to bed if it got too late. One night my grandmother was in the kitchen, a room over from the living room when she heard the TV shut off. She came into the room to see how I had turned the TV off as she had put the remote out of my reach on top of the fireplace mantel, I was still tucked into my blankets on the couch, turned to her and said, unfazed, The hand did it. This is the earliest memory I have of unexplained happenings in that house, and was obviously too young to realise or be frightened by it. After that, happenings became more frequent and varied. I believe there are both harmless, playful entities in that house, as well as dark, non-human and possibly demonic forces there as well. As a young child, I would regularly see a figure that appeared as a kid who was playing as a ghost, like you might see a person wearing a sheet over their head as a costume. Looking back, I wonder if the spirit knew what it was doing and I would get a chuckle out of it. However, as a child, this figure terrified me. My mom and I stayed in an in-law apartment section of the home, which was built as an addition to the house. My bed was placed against one wall and my mother's was against another, with the entrance to the hallway leading to our little living room between us. My mom would often put me to sleep and go back downstairs with the rest of the family until she was ready for bed, and I would often wake alone with an uneasy feeling. I would then see the figure of the sheet-covered child slowly approach me from the dark hallway. It was slow-moving and then would stand and stare at me. I would scream and scream until my mom came into the room, at which point it vanished. I know this wasn't a dream or sleep paralysis because I was always awake and able to move around freely. I saw this figure in the daytime too. Sometimes it would be slowly approaching me and sometimes I would turn or look around and it would be there staring. I don't think this spirit wanted to harm me, but it was certainly unsettling and terrifying for a young child. One day, as I grew older, I was getting ready in my grandparents' bathroom and saw it in the bedroom. I was alone and turned around to face it, frustrated and yelled, What do you want? That was the last time I ever saw it. The darker entities in the house were much different. It's almost as if I could feel their impending presence because whenever they appeared, I had to ask my mom to sleep in her bed and experience them from there. Sometimes it would be a shadow in the corner staring at me in the dark, or looming above our bed. And before you debunk this as me psyching myself up to see these, my mom and I had several shared experiences. The most frightening one is burned into my memory forever. My mom and I were in bed and the figure appeared at the end of it. It was basically just a big black shadow that you could still see through the dark, and loosely took on the shape of a body. Suddenly the bed started shaking and I felt myself freeze in place. I tried to grab my mother and looked over to find her reaching back at me as well but both of us were unable to move. I didn't even realise she was awake too until that moment but somehow I was comforted in the knowledge that she was experiencing this too. It lasted for what felt like a lifetime until my mom was able to mutter leave. We still talk about this incident to this day. There are other strange happenings like things being rearranged, the piano playing at night or hearing people talk in the kitchen when everyone else was upstairs asleep. But those things seem more run of the mill for a haunted house. To this day my grandparents and two of my uncles deny ever experiencing anything odd in that house. The third brother who lived in the apartment after my mom and I had moved out has confirmed experiencing dark entities but has always refused to talk about it so I'm unsure exactly what he's seen. As an aside, each time my mom was pregnant with my siblings, if she visited my grandparents' house, she would be visited by what she believes to have been her future children. For example, when she was pregnant with my first brother, she was visited by an apparition of a young boy wearing a baseball uniform. She said it sort of looked like her youngest brother, but different somehow and it certainly wasn't him. This happened again with each of the others, before even knowing the sex of the baby each time and each time it was correct. I now have four younger siblings, and the only one of them who has been able to experience things in that house when we visited is my second brother George. It began with him asking why Grandma plays the piano at night, or who was talking downstairs so late, the things I had mentioned before. Then there was an incident where my mom awoke to find him halfway sat up in bed, with his head cocked back as if being held by the throat, gasping. The hold broke as my mom rushed over to him, and he said, "'Mom, I was so scared I thought you were doing this to me "'and didn't know why you'd want to choke me.' "'But things really hit home for me one night "'when we were all visiting "'and we were cramped together in one of the guest rooms "'in the main part of the house. "'I am older and living on my own with my partner now "'and have always avoided sleeping in their house "'since I moved out as a child. "'But that night we were all awoken by George screaming, "'Move! Get out of the way, I mean it!' "'The TV was still on and he couldn't sleep "'so he was up watching a movie.' When we asked him what he was talking about he looked at us back at the TV and then over to my first brother Jimmy and back to us again confused. He said I thought Jimmy was trying to block the TV. I thought I saw him standing in front of me with a sheet over his head trying to scare me. Jimmy was still in bed across the room and hadn't gotten up at all. I never mentioned my experiences to them as my siblings are much younger than I and I didn't want to scare them but hearing him say that he had seen what I had always seen as a child drove chills down my spine. I couldn't sleep the rest of the night and haven't stayed there since. Of all of the spooky things that we have talked about on this podcast, irony ghost, ghost with the um, sheet over its head has really given me the heebie-jeebies. I have a vision of stepping out of the office and something with a sheet over its head being stood in the hallway waiting for me and you know what it's not a good vibe I can't believe your brother saw it later because that is petrifying it is petrifying enough that you were seeing this like you'd open your eyes and it'd be in the hallway slowly moving towards you and you would turn around and it would be there that's scary enough but then to have it legitimized later on is petrifying oh just no just no that's not okay what is going on there? Is it like is it like a a, a ghosty satire? The equivalent of a ghost comedian being like, Oh, I know what'll really make them laugh, and then just getting it horribly, horribly wrong. And like Ellie said, there's a lot of standard haunted house stuff going on, like footsteps, piano playing, things being moved around, things turning on and off. But that doesn't make those things any less scary when you're in the middle of them. Like I know if I was sitting in my house and I heard footsteps upstairs it would be absolutely petrifying i know that if i was sitting in the house and i heard the piano playing i would be petrified so those things are scary enough and then you have shadow figures that you're seeing like you and your mom having these shared experiences of seeing things that are later verified by your sibling that's freaky but then what's in the house then if your mother then has visions of the children that she's pregnant with but only in that house like, is there something in that house that makes energy manifest? Was there? Is it the sight of something that happened historically that might give it a lot of energy? Answer number two comes from anonymous. One day in the late eighties, a few days before my fifteenth birthday, three of my friends and I were hanging out at our friend Z's house. There were five of us all together. We'd been suspended from school for protesting the day before. Some proto-Karen had called in complaints about teenagers hanging out in the park near the school. When security guards told us to leave the park, we remained in protest. It being public property, and we being members of said public, our rights were being violated, but I digress. During the ensuing bogus suspension, our parents were all at work, so we decided we might as well have fun with it and gathered at Z's house for the day. We'd planned to head over to a spring festival that would open after school was out that day, so we were basically killing time until then. By mid-afternoon we were pretty bored, and someone had the idea to bring a Ouija board. Sorry, I know. I'd never used one before and had no idea what to expect, so I didn't understand how unusual it was that it kept spelling out the word help. We studied each other's faces trying to suss out if someone was moving the planchette. I still remember the frightened looks in my friend's eyes. We didn't know what to do with the word, so we asked questions and it spelled out answers. Piece by piece a picture emerged. A terrified little boy was hiding somewhere behind furniture. He was in danger and he was asking us to help him. He was not alone. There were many children with him, all in danger, all hiding. We were at a loss. We started arguing about what to do and whether it was a trick. It was upsetting and confusing. Eventually, we put the game away because it was freaking everyone out. And anyway, it was time to head over to the festival. When we stepped outside, a fire truck sped past with its sirens blaring, then an ambulance and a cop car and another. This was a quiet residential community. Sirens were not commonplace. We piled into the car and noticed more police cars and ambulances and fire trucks all speeding, all with sirens blaring and the names of neighbouring communities on them. As we drove, we were rerouted by street closures. There were so many emergency vehicles from so many neighbouring communities that we lost count. It was clear that something terrible had happened, but we had no idea what or where. Finally, we got to a point where emergency vehicles were passing us from a new direction, and we were able to figure out where they were headed. I remember someone saying, Oh no, they're all going to Hubbard Woods. That was the local elementary school. There was very little talk in the car after that, and the tension was palpable. We wondered whether any of our classmates who had been at the high school all day would have any information about what was going on. Remember, this was the late 80s. No smartphones and no internet. We were in the dark. After we parked and started walking towards the festival, we noticed throngs of our schoolmates running past us, headed away from the fest. We pulled one aside and asked what was going on. Springfest is cancelled. We ran to keep up with her, asking why and what happened, etc. Breathless and wide-eyed, she answered, We've all been evacuated and sent home. Someone opened fire on a classroom at Hubbard Woods. She's still at large. We all have to go straight home and lock our doors. And then she was gone, sprinting up the street. Our stomachs dropped. We stared at each other in stunned silence for a moment, and then started running back to the car. None of us ever spoke about this with each other or anyone else as far as I know. I can't say for sure what anyone else's reasons are, but for me, I never wanted to steal focus from the horrible tragedy that occurred that day. One child had died and others were injured. The community was traumatised. We were mute and I still don't talk about it. I don't really know what to say about this story, but what I do know is that the original sender of this story, the anonymous sender, uh, contacted me again after sending it, kind of saying that they hadn't really had the opportunity to share that story with anybody and that they felt as though they needed to share it. I didn't include the location where the incident took place or the names of the people involved on the request of the sender. And I know there will be lots of listeners who will have been impacted in some way or another by a mass shooting or a shooting in a public place. So I don't want to kind of labor the point too much but what i'm glad about is that the original sender of this story got to tell their story and i hope at some point the other people involved and you will be able to discuss what happened whether that's from a skeptical or a non-skeptical perspective obviously that depends on your group and your group of people and what works best for you but i hope at some point you get the chance to properly talk about it just to give yourself some bit of closure about that aspect of the event. And story number three comes from Anonymous. Before this encounter, I was neither a sceptic nor someone who firmly believed in the supernatural. It was either a Friday or Saturday evening in November, and I had hopped on one of the last tubes, heading home after a night out. I live at the end of one of the major London underground lines, so the train tends to get more and more deserted as my destination nears. Although this time, there were still one or two people in my carriage who were even sitting quite close to me. My journey was uneventful until a couple of stops before where I get off. I randomly experienced a small pang of emotional discomfort, similar to what you feel when you remember something embarrassing you did in the past. I put it down to being tipsy, except the feeling began to worsen. Soon I was feeling an inexplicable sense of dread, and I genuinely believed I was having a panic attack. I then perceived the energy of someone as if they'd suddenly materialised on the train. I'm almost certain it was a person, but I couldn't see, hear or feel them, I could only sense their presence. A menacing, sinister energy was emanating from them, and I felt as though they were almost taunting or laughing at me. What I couldn't fathom was that the one or two people around me seemed blissfully oblivious. My gut instinct was to get my phone out and try and distract myself. However, as soon as I unlocked my phone, it malfunctioned and took 10 screenshots in a row. My headphones, which were fully charged, then disconnected and connected again. By this time, the train had reached my stop and I was happy to get the hell out of there. Apart from feeling pretty freaked out on my short walk home, I no longer sensed that the person was nearby. This changed once I went to sleep. I should mention here that I'm somewhat of a veteran when it comes to sleep paralysis. Whenever I fall asleep on my back or take more than the recommended dose of my strong allergy medicine, to any potential listeners, please don't do this, I fall into a short bout of sleep paralysis where I can't move and I feel like I'm in danger. I'm used to simply closing my eyes and moving my fingers and toes until I've regained movement. I still believe that most instances of sleep paralysis are caused by physiological or mental factors but the episode I had on this night definitely felt like it was induced by the paranormal. Just as I was drifting off to sleep, I felt like I'd slid down a mine shaft. I was instantly paralysed and absolutely consumed by a wave of dread. I instinctively closed my eyes, but then I heard noises and felt the presence of a person in my room. When I opened my eyes, the first thing that hit me was that my perspective was as if I was standing up, or as if my bed had been flipped forward 90 degrees with me stuck to it. In front of me was what I can only describe as a whirlwind of black angular shapes spinning around viciously in front of me. It was growling and swiping at my face and body with what felt like cords of rope. I felt helpless as I couldn't pull myself out of the paralysis. I then began to feel angry and started communicating with the person, telling them they didn't belong here and to leave me alone. My eyes were now closed, but their rage was audible and visceral. I felt it ringing in my head and my body... Sometime after that, the paralysis subsided and I woke up with a racing heart. I never felt that person in my presence again. But I do feel that whoever it was, they entered my mind on that train and tormented me while I was on the verge of sleep. Oh, what a weird little story. I would love to hear that story from like the perspective of the other people on the train. Like you were saying, there was kind of a couple of people left in your carriage by the time you got to your stop. So I wonder if like... Did they experience anything as well or was it just you? Or I'd love to know if there is stories about that particular train line or train stop. There are so many stories about the London Underground and various stops and various trains and various little spots in it where things are supposed to have happened. I did a Patreon episode, I literally just recorded it before this one, that had a story in it that was all about the London Underground And I always feel like I should applaud the sleep paralysis veterans because, man, I don't know how you guys do it. I honestly don't know how you guys do it because sleep paralysis sounds so terrifying. And then I always, when the sleep paralysis veterans say, this thing happened to me, but I'm a sleep paralysis veteran and this is what my sleep paralysis usually looks like and this time it was different. That makes me feel icky, to be honest. And strain number four comes from Lida. I sent in my story on February the 19th, 2021, and it was read on 15 days of festive fear, day 14. I spoke to my sister about our ghostly encounters, and she corrected me that my cousin's husband actually did not pass away, but he was very abusive because she was unable to get pregnant. I had mistaken the spirit that was haunting us to be her husband, because my mother had stated that whatever was haunting us was looking for my cousin. After speaking to my sister about it, she shared with me another encounter she had had. After my cousin had a few encounters with the dasso, she was too scared to sleep by herself, so she started to sleep with my sister. My cousin often came home late after partying. One night my sister was laying in bed deep in the night when suddenly she couldn't breathe. She opened her eyes, remembering the similar feeling. This had happened after the encounter with the little girl sitting on her belly. She tried to move but couldn't move an inch. Her eyes travelled around the room trying to find the dasso until she saw my cousin standing in a dark corner of the room, right in front of her bedroom door. My sister tried to say my cousin's name, trying to get her to help her to wake from the sleep paralysis. She struggled as hard as she could, but she couldn't move. She said that she believed that she had begun to scream my cousin's name, yelling at her and crying, asking her why my cousin was not helping her, when finally she saw the door open, making my cousin disappear, and my real cousin walk into the room and turn the lights on. Right when the lights turned on, my sister regained control of her body. "'Are you okay?' my cousin asked, quite confused. Out of breath, my sister asked, "'How long have you been standing there?' "'I just got home,' my cousin answered. "'I heard you grunting real loud and came in just now.' Too scared to explain what had just happened, my sister said she just had a bad dream and quickly tried to fall back asleep. "'My sister is a very sickly person.' We do not have a history of cancer in our family, but my sister was diagnosed with thyroid cancer at the age of 20. She is fine now and just had to go through one round of chemo, but her immune system is weak. My parents believe that being sick makes you more susceptible to spirits and ghosts. In late 2021, my sister and brother-in-law were going to Las Vegas to watch a football game. She asked for me to house sit and take care of her cat, Mr. Business, and her dog, Peyton. I was more than happy to do so but I had never lived alone and was just a bit terrified of spending three nights alone in her and my brother-in-law's home. But I had Peyton, which wasn't the greatest guard dog, but she made me feel safe. The first night was fine. Peyton and I had a routine. I would let her out at around 10pm for the last time before going to bed. And when I would let her in, she would run straight to my sister and brother-in-law's room to get ready for bed. The second night, on Christmas, I decided to go ice skating with my brother, This was the second time that I had gone ice skating in the last couple of months. Before that, it had been over five years since I skated. I felt like I was comfortable with ice skating, but about 20 minutes in, I fell flat onto my chest. The air was knocked out of my lungs, and it was the hardest fall that I had taken. A man skated up to me and asked me if I was okay because someone else had just broken their wrist a few minutes before. I was embarrassed and immediately got to my feet again and continued skating. I went back to my sister's place and told her over the phone what had happened and laughed about it. She chastised me, but I tried to play it off. I let Peyton out at 10pm. She came back in and ran to my sister's room and onto the bed. The next morning, my chest was starting to hurt on and off all day and my entire body ached. I stayed at my sister's house all that day, just hanging out with Mr. Business and Peyton. As the day grew darker, I began to feel uneasy as though someone was watching me. I felt scared and I felt unsafe. It was 10pm. I let Peyton go outside for the last time that night, feeling cautious of the several apartment buildings behind their home. I closed the back porch door and locked it and kept the curtains closed. I usually kept it open so I would know when Peyton had returned. I hadn't been checking the garage door every night to ensure that it was closed, so I decided to walk over to the kitchen and open the door to the garage to make sure that the garage door was closed. It was... I had never opened it during my stay here, but I just wanted to check. I closed the door and walked back into the kitchen. But then I heard a door open. I froze and my breath grew uneven. I grabbed my phone and a pair of scissors. I contemplated on going back to the door to the garage or just calling the police. I gulped and decided to check the garage once more. I swung the door open and screamed as I jabbed the scissors forward, hitting only air. I turned on the garage lights and scanned the empty garage. Feeling a bit dumb but still scared, I closed the door again and turned off the kitchen lights. I walked into the living room. My sister has two TVs in the living room, a big one that they use to watch shows and play video games on and a smaller one for sports. During my stay there I never turned on the small TV, but the second I stepped into the living room it turned on. My heart rate was skyrocketing through the roof. I looked for the TV remote and found it put away in the centre compartment between two recliners. I turned the TV off and went to check if Peyton had come back. She was sitting patiently at the front door. I opened it and let her in, but she looked a lot less enthusiastic than she usually was. I closed and locked the door. I turned to look at Peyton expecting her to run to my sister's bedroom but she was standing in front of the small TV, not going forward as though someone was blocking her way. I kept my eyes on her as I quickly went to check that the front door was locked and set the alarm. I walked back over to Peyton and tapped her bottom, urging her to go forward, but she wouldn't move. She began panting as though she had just run a mile. I grabbed her collar and tried to pull her into the bedroom, but she just wouldn't go. So I went to get one of her favourite treats and walked into my sister's bedroom. She followed me and jumped onto the bed. That night I slept with the TV in their bedroom on, and I hated sleeping with any lights on. The next morning I woke up at 6am sharp and the first thing that came into my mind was oh my god I made it through the night. That was my last night there. The next day I went to work and explained what happened to my co-worker. My co-worker is Hispanic. She had told me before that her grandmother is a witch and that she is predicted to be the next witch in the family. My co-worker is able to read the energies of people and places. When I told her what happened she said it sounded like my sister's home needed a good cleansing. I joked with my co-worker that whatever bad thing was in my sister's house must have followed me because I still felt uneasy. My chest was also still hurting. I made it through the day. The next day my chest was still hurting, everyone around me was worried that I may have punctured a lung. I was getting scared. So I decided to leave work early and go to urgent care. I didn't even make it a mile away from work when I got into a car accident. I had just purchased my car four months before and this was my first car accident ever. What was even worse was that this car accident, I found out that I wasn't even covered by my insurance policy. That is a whole other mess. And then a couple of days after that, I broke my smart TV in my room. I don't know what followed me from my sister's house, but I guess it really hated me. I finally feel fine now. I mean, I thought everything was fine, but a couple of days ago, my sister told me that she and her husband heard knocking in their home. It sounded like the knocking was both coming from inside and outside the house. They would have maybe put it up to some wind or the house settling but the knocks were inconsistent and purposeful. Then yesterday my sister went into her garage and looked up at the pull down ladder. She noticed some pink insulation in the crack which was strange because she and my brother-in-law never went up there. She called me and asked me if I went up there when I stayed in her house a couple of months before. I told her I didn't recall it being there. So now we're not sure if there's someone living in her attic or if there's some ghost messing with us. She's too frightened to check the attic, but it feels too dumb to call the police. So she's waiting to see if the insulation disappears, because if it does, that means somebody opened the attic door. I know that some people are going to disagree with this, but I personally feel if you're worried that somebody is like in your house or that somebody's living in your attic or that there's something amiss, I don't think it's ever too dumb to call the police. I think peace of mind is so important and feeling safe in your own home is so important. And if I thought there was somebody living in my attic, there is no way I would feel safe. Or even if I even had this, the hint or the suggestion of it, there's no way that I would feel safe. I would be so frightened. So I'd be, I'd just be calling the police to be honest. And I'm very sorry that you felt so uneasy and so scared when you were house sitting for your sister. It just seems really unfair. I love house sitting because I feel like you get to eat all the good snacks that are going to go out of date by the time the person comes back. It's like being on holidays. And nobody needs that holiday ruined by a potential ghost, to be really honest. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Ellie, Anonymous, Anonymous and Lida for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from March the 22nd, 2022. And if you would like to know anything about Real Life Ghost Stories, you can check out com you can also sign up to patreon patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories where for five dollars a month or two dollars a month you get access to lots of bonus extra wonderful content and every main and mini episode of real life ghost stories completely ad free i would also like to remind you that if you feel so inclined please throw a vote to real life ghost stories in the listeners choice award of the irish podcast awards thank you so much for listening and i will see you next time